Screenless. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Cuppa, the show where I chat with people working in the many and varied creative industries. I'm Gareth Davis, a composer and audio producer for all sorts of media, and I find it fascinating to discover the common threads that run through all of these different creative jobs. There are loads of episodes available for your listening pleasure, and you don't have to listen to them in order. So head to www.creativecupper.uk and you'll be able to play them right there on the page, as well as finding links to most of the podcast apps. If you enjoy this episode, give another one a try. You might just like it. And if you do like this episode, please do me the absolute honour of writing a few kind words, whether that's just sharing a post on your social media or leaving a review on your podcast app or on podchaser.com or just opening your window and shouting nice things at anyone who may be walking by. Good reviews are the fuel that keep this fire burning. So if you can do that, I'd be eternally grateful. Now, today's guest chat comes with a trigger warning. Artist Terry Broughton experienced trauma as a child, and while she discusses it very sensitively, I want to make sure that you're aware before we carry on. It doesn't mean it's a sad interview, by the way. In fact, it's quite the opposite. What Terry has achieved in three short years of being a professional artist is amazing. So, if you have a cuppa in hand, here we go. Terry Broughton, artist, welcome to Creative Cuppa. Thank you. Nice to be here. You're very welcome. Uh, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. On this fine, sunny, chilly, lovely, awesome morning. Fantastic. Just before we hit record there, you walked me around your creative space where you paint, uh, which looks amazing. And I had a little sneak peek of uh, what you're working on as well, which is wonderful. So thank you for that. Your website Terry, I had a look at, uh, and it reads that for 30 years I wrestled with two opposing forces, a deep desire to paint and the belief that I was not a painter, a label given to me in childhood. Instead, I diverted my energy into ceramics, art therapy and teaching. So my first question has to be about that label given to you in childhood. Are you able to expand on that? Yeah, I am. Um, So I'm a looked after child, or that's what you call them at school now. So I lost my parents when I was very young and wow. I've got two sisters and so we were sort of moved around and I ended up living with one of them. The other one was sent to a home and in, in my particular place we were living, I won a, a prize at school. I think I was about eight. My father just died and I won a prize for art at school and I ran back and said, look, I've won this. And I had a very sort of pointed finger towards my face saying, you are not a painter. Your father was a painter. You are not a painter. And for some reason, it went in really deeply. And um, I believed, you know, it was from an adult. I believed it was the truth. And I wore it like an overcoat. I didn't actually go back into education until my mid-30s. Yeah, bizarre. But that's, so that's how the label came from. That's, wow. And I believed it. Uh, was that something to do with what you'd painted or drawn or is it I don't know, um, an emotional reaction I, I think it was I think my father actually killed himself and I think that it was so frowned oh. upon in those days uh, yeah. strong Roman Catholic people that I was living with at the time and I think it was just you have nothing to do with any of that 
and it was such a strong it, it felt more like an order than a than a comment and um i believed it to be true well i'm so sorry that you went through that first off well, yeah actually thank you but um you know uh, i i've always been interested in the arts my whole life and as i say i went back into education in my 30s but i i went to do ceramics because i knew i wasn't the painter so i chose to yeah. do something else that was three-dimensional i could walk around see it touch it feel it and i yeah. loved doing it I, I i mean who knew i was a learner but i didn't know before <laughs> that and um so I, I i took this degree and then i became an art therapist and then from there i have a two children uh, my daughter's now 40 my son is 39 um, he has Asperger's syndrome, so they were having two very different experiences of the school system. And I remember thinking, well, go and do something about it. So that was my thought whilst I was working with other adults. And then I had to have a year out to go and get a maths GCSE. Uh, wow. So, so I, I got my maths GCSE, went into education. And then the first thing I noticed when I went to teach uh, in a secondary school in Leicestershire was the quality of the work on the walls. And I was horrified. It was, you know, not bad quality work, but it was self-portraits, pop groups, vases and flowers, mm. still lives, but it told me nothing about the students. And so I very quickly took a master's degree and looked at adolescent development and its relationship to art and design education, as it was then which was very quickly written into the national curriculum because it's so powerful that children have the opportunity or teenagers at the very least have the opportunity to question their beliefs and the messages that they're given and their values and where they actually come from and what do they really believe. So it used to be that this was AS students and it used to be that students would do some art history and they'd produce a final piece of finished artwork to go towards their exam. But what happened, they were asking three questions. How I see myself, how I would like to be seen, and how do I think other people see me? And they noticed very quickly, there were three very different responses to that. And then we got into art history and how do people live their lives and what were their beliefs and values. But culminating in, in students, they were keeping journals, writing poetry, producing several finished pieces of work which were never finished because there was always another one coming along because yeah. as their thinking was changing their artwork was changing and they got incredibly good grades basically doing a, a, a series of sort of self-developmental exercises and funny enough fast forward to the age of 61 i took myself off to a little art school in norfolk where i live uh, called the norfolk painting school and did some voluntary work there and eventually was persuaded to do a diploma in fine art painting. But I made sure I stood at the front of the room. I didn't see anybody else's work. I had no confidence. I remember crying at the first break, like, this isn't me. But since then, I haven't looked back. I haven't put my paintbrush down. I'm 64 now. So I've been painting for three years. Got my first solo exhibition this year and so you were saying, I'm really sorry about that comment. Right, it's a yeah. long, long story to get back to that. But I don't feel sorry at all because I've had the most amazing life. I've met the most amazing people from yeah. all walks of life. I, I've worked in pretty tough schools. I had 
ended up running a, an academy in Norfolk. Oh, wow. I've trained in sort of coaching and life coaching and done some counseling work. And, you know, I've had the nicest life. So I'm not, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, to the age of maybe 33, 34, I badly struggled. Yeah. And I gave myself as much as anybody else giving me messages that, you know, I was useless and I couldn't achieve and I'd never amount to anything because I was repeating stories that I had been given that weren't actually yeah. mine to pick up. But um, I've had a good life. You know, I'm very happy. My next question, actually, I think you've answered admirably, which was that the things you've done, the ceramics and the art therapy and the, the teaching, yeah. all very creative pursuits. So do you feel that those things have shaped you more as an artist than if you Definitely. maybe hadn't Definitely. experienced them? But of course, that's a yes. And you've just explained why. Yeah. I mean, so who, who knows? Who knows, really? But yes, I think they have shaped me. And I sort of was doing my own artwork vicariously through others. I didn't pick the paintbrush up, yeah. but the discussions about artists and painters and, you know, watching students find out and learn for themselves. And if I didn't know an answer, and often I didn't, we'd find out together. And I, I like yeah. that sort of collaboration as well. And now I'm doing it all by myself. Which is <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, it's it's it. wonderful. There's a passage on your website, uh, going back to your website, about masks that really struck me, uh, which seems apt in the current world, doesn't it? And it describes how even though the masks we wear shape our lives, hiding our true potential behind those masks, who we really are is safe in incubation, which I thought was a wonderfully positive way of looking at that idea. Do you feel like your mask is well and truly removed now, apart from in the shops, obviously? It's so interesting, isn't it? Because um, how, how ironic. Um, yes, when I start, because at the painting school, you're looking at sort of old masters and and doing sort of things in the style of those masters, which never really appealed to me. And then when I had an opportunity to start going off in my own direction, I really found my wings, if you like. But I do have a past, a history, and it was a pretty traumatic one. And these mask images just kept coming out of me. And, and I was thinking about life support machines, you know, they're what kept you going, but they also helped you to survive. And, you mm. know, I was thinking of all the connotations of art. So my first tranche, if you like, of paintings were all using this mask. Uh, and I, I realized at one stage as I was painting that if you put your mask on, and, and in my case, not only did I wear a mask, I had barbed wire around me and a door firmly shut, you know, it's like no one's coming in here. I realized that how could I reach anybody? How could anyone reach me if that were the case? There, there had to be a point where I opened the door, took the barbed wire off, took the mask off. I'd been painting for such a short time, but I didn't see a time when I wouldn't be painting masks. And, and suddenly they didn't feel as relevant anymore. It's like um, your, your own art therapist. It is. It's, it's actually <laughs> my own identity project. And, yeah. um, and as I'm going through it, the, the paintings are changing and changing and changing. I think uh, I was saying I've got my first exhibition this year, my first solo exhibition. And um, I, I wonder if people have come in and think, oh, my word, this is like, this is like an art therapy hospital. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've no I'm idea, finished. but um, I'm loving the journey, really loving it. And the latest group of work are called The Saboteurs, based on, um, there's a guy called Shirzad Shemaine, 
who writes about, I do a lot of reading about self-development for others and for myself. And he speaks about positive intelligence and the, the saboteurs that we all have in our heads. And I thought, oh, I wonder what they look like and what do they look like for me? So I thought, I'm going to paint those. So I've, I've only, by the time I get to the exhibition, there'll only be six of them out of ten painted yeah. because I'm off travelling very soon. But um, I'm just loving the journey. Well, they look fabulous. Uh, you you walked you. me through what you've been up to. And you've said that you've always been fascinated by people. And that's yes. certainly true looking through all of your artwork. What is it about portrait work? I mean, again, you've sort of answered that question because it is a, a reflection of yourself. But what would you say that attracts you more than, say, a landscape or something inanimate? What I find interesting is there's, there's lots of people writing to me currently about the work that I post, whether it's, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook or, or, or the website, which actually needs updating. And they tell me that they can relate to it. So whilst I paint for myself, I can't say I paint a beautiful landscape for somebody else or a still life. I literally paint from my heart. Uh, yeah. But people tell me that they can relate to that. Now, on my diploma, we weren't particularly encouraged to do any sort of portraiture, but I am fascinated by people and what makes them do the things that they do. And so I think that's the attraction. I think one of my favourite painters is uh, Lucien Freud. It's a guy called Salgado, Andrew Salgado. Beautiful, beautiful work. Slightly off the wall, and I, I love it, but it's, it's very... Figu- I'm, I'm attracted to figurative work. I remember Lucien Freud had a picture of John Minton, who was also a fellow artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would make a pilgrimage to go and see this tiny picture on a yearly basis. And there was something that drew me to it. I had no idea what it was until one day I read about John Minton and he killed himself a few years after this painting was painted. And there's a look in John Minton's eyes that I recognise. Not for myself. I think it's to do with my father. Wow. So I hope one day to be able to produce work that people want to revisit and come back and that it has a, a, a deeper meaning than a surface pattern on, or something that goes with the curtains. Or... <laughs> yeah. But my work is very large and it, you know, and it isn't for everybody. I, I have lots of people saying to me... Um, I really enjoy your work, but I wouldn't want it in my house or too big for my house or, yeah, you know, I'm coming to your exhibition, but I wouldn't put it on my wall. So I'm not sure who I'm actually, I'm painting for myself or sensibly to begin with. Yeah. And people amazingly have just started to buy just recently four or five paintings have been bought and it's, it's wonderful. It's always a surprise, but it's, it's wonderful when somebody, you know, can see something in it. See something in it. And it might help them as well, ultimately, in the same way that that John Minson painting helped you. It did, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was just a little pilgrimage each year. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, you have an exhibition coming up. And um, listeners can actually get an introduction from you on your Instagram page. You walk around the gallery, don't you? I do. I what do. can you tell us about the exhibition? Well, it's called Inside Out. I think for obvious reasons now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, ultimately, I don't think we're broken or needed fixing. 
But I do think that we can pick up some messages as we go through life and decide to try certain messages on and decide whether they fit us or not, or they are us or not. So I guess it's just a journey, or certainly my journey into painting, and it's questioning, again, our beliefs and values, you know, just right back, as I was doing with those teenagers in the Identity Project. You know, I welcome people coming. I, I, I'm, I initially paint, as I say, really for myself. But there's so much has happened. You know, work has been in the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition last year, and then this year, there's a piece going off to Paris, the Salon d'Automne, on the Champs Elysees. Can you believe this? That's amazing. Uh, so we leave on Sunday. That's going up the following week. There's work in Italy, Japan, and Beirut, and it's it's sort of I'm still pinching myself because I really genuinely am still at the beginning of the journey. It sounds like the honesty you have in your art plays a big part in how attractive it becomes to other people. I hope so, Gareth. It's, it's, it seems to me that way anyway. I hope so. And where is the exhibition and when? Uh, it's at the Brick Lane Gallery in Brick Lane in London. And it's from the 7th to the 13th of December. Fantastic. And that's 2021, if you're listening to this. It is. Uh, <laughs> and where can listeners find out more about you and your fabulous work? Thank you. Well, they can contact me on Facebook at Terry Broughton Artist or at Instagram, which is at Terry Broughton Artist, all one word. Or I've got a website, it's www.terrybroughtonart.co.uk. And I have an email address, if that's any help, inquiries at terrybroughtonart.co.uk. You're very, very, very contactable. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I am. It's so easy nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. That is wonderful. I'll put those links in the show notes. But for now, Terry Broughton, thank you for joining me for a cuppa. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks again to Terry for her time and her honesty. You know, the conversation around mental health is a lot more open these days, and I'm so glad that Terry was able to share her experiences. It's been a long road for her, but it reasserts to me that nothing is ever wasted. And as a creative person, if you're able to take your experiences, whether positive or negative, and channel those honestly into your creative endeavours, then your work will be richer for it. If you're in London between the 7th and 13th of December this year, that's 2021 by the way, drop into Terry's exhibition at the Brick Lane Gallery in Brick Lane to see the work she's been talking about today. And in the meantime, if you'd like an actual cuppa and a chat with some friendly people, come and join in the fun at the Creative Cuppa Facebook group where we meet on video every Friday at 9am. It's very informal and just a nice way to round off the week. That's all for now, so until next time, stay kind, stay creative. And thanks for joining me for a cuppa. Bye.